0: Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today.
2: Hello and good evening from Auckland City. This is Late Night Lockdown, gone by lunchtime. Introducing the sultry sounds of the alert level 3. Let's T-A-L-K, politics. And then just play the music, play the music, play the music! Keletato, I'm Toby Manhur, it's sometime after dark on Tuesday, August 25. A big thank you to Jane Ye for setting us up in lockdown technology land. Um, big thank you to Flick Electric for keeping the lights on. Please support them by checking out any link off any politics page. Big thanks to members who allow us to keep going. Given the state of everything, a big thanks to Tina Tiller and Callum Henderson, who stayed up into the very, very small hours last week to put together, well, which was quite a porridge of a podcast in the end, really, um, because um, I can't remember if I recall correctly, Ben Thomas drank several jars of his own piss, couldn't get his headphones to work. And then we had to, Jane had to drive halfway across town and... I don't know, by the end I just had no clue what was it's going on. It's all essential on. work. Ben.
1: I was a little um, bit posed. I,
0: I couldn't hear you guys towards the end. Um, I think it was it was it became quite political yep. in the sense that I don't think anyone heard what anyone else said and we just kind of talked. Which I think I think right. kind of puts us on par with yes. most of the good political podcasts.
2: Well, I think a bit like mm. um, the COVID situation, we need to keep the politics out of gone by lunchtime. You know, we need to work constructively together in the cause of discourse. How are you, Annabelle?
1: Um, I'm very good, sober. Um, I was thinking, like, could we organise the opposition to put a question to the Minister of Health mm-hmm. about whether or not it's within ministry guidelines to drink every night during lockdown?
2: Right. What are the normal guidelines that just just five nights a week? Is that, I don't know, maybe someone should just throw some questions at Ashley about healthy living.
1: I think like days that start with F and S you're allowed to, but um, but during lockdown I feel that changes and it'd just be good to have clarification. So if one of the journos at the one o'clocker tomorrow, yeah or um what or shane Detti, dr shane retty if you could ask i think it's a question that a lot of aucklanders are asking just one more question for moment.
2: dr bloomfield before you go can you tell us which is healthier two liters of ben thomas's piss two liters of mountain dew or two liters of vodka and he'd say um he'd say well uh, what i can say is that uh, the research suggests that at the moment uh, it's a it's a, the ideal option is to stay well away from Ben. It's Tops's a pass. we
0: don't have any evidence that two litres of Mountain Dew helps to ward mm. off the virus. Um, interestingly enough, there was yeah. a question yeah. from the, yeah. someone in the gallery about um, lockdown drinking about a week ago, I think, to Chris Hip- to Chris Hipkins, um asking whether the government had any plan, you know, the well-being government that had, you know allocated 19.9 $1.9 billion billion mm. to mental health and addiction services, whether there was any mm. kind of contingency plan for um, lockdown. And <laughs> Hipkins just got this kind of quizzical look on his face and there was this sort of dead silence. And then he said, "We well, the government does not encourage excess drinking. And then just sort of uncomfortably moved on. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs>
2: You've got to you've got to feel a bit for Chippy as he's known um, down there. Um, Chris Hipkins has got a, must be working quite a lot of hours at the moment trying to. I mean, like educate. I mean, he had to stop most of the education in New Zealand's bigger city <laughs> so that he had more time available to look after health. That's the that's what I'm. That's I'm just putting. The I'm just stating facts, questions. right? I'm just stating facts. Exactly. Um, we had, uh, we, uh, we're at Tuesday night now, and we've discovered last night on Monday that here in Auckland, uh, the Alert Level 3 would be pushed out until the very end of the weekend. Uh, the rest of the country, luxuriating in Alert Level 2, uh, will continue in that state as well for a few more weeks, um, partly so that regional travel can... Uh, resume, um, and the Aucklanders, we terrible people who live in Auckland can travel around and not um, risk um, large-scale events, some spreading incident. Um, There are a few other extra rules that will carry on, including that uh, gatherings will be limited to 10, which is roughly the number of people that were listening at the end of the last podcast, I think. So we could all get together if you fancy it. Do you think, Annabelle, that we sort of got used to this sort of this kind of? It's almost it's almost like a got a kind of congregational religious tr- traditional function sorry, about these announcements. Sorry. Bless you, Ben. Bless you. Huge, huge mountain dew. It's not COVID sneeze. There, we've all we th- we've got got used to this kind of this a uh, non-COVID sneeze. We have got used to this um, ritual of the prime minister's announcements there are these long kind of preambles in which she knows that she has the attention of the nation or a huge number of people so gets out some messages do you think that this time uh, that extension of four days has got it right do you think that it's testing people's patience what do you reckon
1: I think um uh, Derek Chung wrote a um very good um, article about this Before her announcement It's almost a bit of a lose-lose situation If you extend lockdown You risk um, annoying Or frustrating um voters certainly um business owners um but if you buckle and there's um and the spread continues then you completely blow your chances of being able to um eliminate it quickly and you still get offside with those guys anyway so i think obviously just it was a difficult decision to make but probably the right one when she does make those announcements what fascinates me is when you watch them, because she likes to do a bit of a preamble. I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm like, oh, she's oh, she's not going to extend. No, she is. Mm. Oh no, she's not. Oh mm. yes, yeah, she she's got a great way. Mm. She keeps you on the edge of your seat. Mm. You're like, oh, which way she got Oh, no. Well, that's, oh, that's, oh, and that's
2: then, that's I mean that's a that's what you get in like um American Idol and X Factor and all that, right? Like they don't you know you get that kind of preamble and you think oh that's definitely I going success, this way and then I they pull it back the other this way. One, uh, I mean both
0: it's, before the announcement and during the announcement when i was doing my kind of Kremlinology, okay um the reason that i predicted it yeah. would go till sunday in the uh, gone by lunchtime chats was uh that Cause was because you read, not read right, it on no. the spin-off it was it was because the expert epidemiologists right. in the media had been saying that we should have an extra week of lockdown oh, yeah. in order to be safe uh Mm-hmm. Other people, but particularly some of the business community, Michael Barnett from former Chamber of Commerce, were saying the lockdown needs to come off, you know, as planned on the Thursday. And if there is one thing that Jacinda Ardern can do as Prime Minister, it's always find a difference to split and a middle ground to hew to. So I mm. figured four days would be it. Um, I also successfully, you know, predicted or had my suspicions confirmed early on in her announcement. I thought this was her scratchiest and probably least happy um, uh, briefing on COVID so far on the cluster. Um, And, you know, that, Uh that... that wouldn't have presaged good news, I don't think, or, you know, we're, we're out of the woods. Everybody grab the closest sailor and kiss them on the mouth or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think the news that came through that day of nine new COVID cases kind of uh, dampened the effect of sort of saying we're out of the woods now. It's all downhill from here. We've done it. You know, victory declared um yeah. and instead the messaging had to be around yeah. well you know actually to a certain extent we are going to live with this cluster uh, for for a certain amount of time
2: I mean on I mean I think that it, personally as speaking again as an epidemiologist um, in my lounge the it would have been almost impossible to end it is planned, um, in the middle of this week because the nine is an issue, yep, but much more so than that. We had a piece on this today. On Friday night at North Shore Hospital, a man in his thirties walked in to the emergency department, COVID positive, was put into ICU, it's currently an ICU, and nobody knows where he got COVID nineteen. Now they can now use genomic sequencing to say yes this is the same cluster so you go oh that's sort of reassuring it's not that fucking reassuring because you know we've got buses involved now we've got a separate strain we've got elevator lift buttons um it's a worry and especially with this guy because he was symptomatic and so therefore the infection could track back five six seven eight days and who knows where you know so So it's not just the kind of aggregate number so much as those particular cases that they don't have epidemiological links to. They've got the genetic sequencing links to, but I mean, it's 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 definitely not found the
0: edges of the cluster as we like to talk about now, um, as expert epidemiologists, one and all, uh, seems increasingly remote. Um, Mm. One thing I've been interested in is. You know some of the experts who you might say had a kind of pro-government lean, um, and the minister themselves, the ministers themselves, have been saying a lot um, when the when the issue of border testing has come up. Well, there are no there are no clear links to the border. Yeah. That hasn't been proven. There's no evidence it came from the border. Well, as as if that's a kind yeah. of. Um, criticism of the naivety of the people talking about the border as opposed to a pretty clear admission that the tracing and the testing hasn't gotten to the bottom of this cluster at all you know there's no evidence it's come from anywhere else um and and it suggests that there are missing links in the chain you know from from before we found you know the index case um, and so, yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, people are probably reasonably um, sensible to be a bit wary. Don, don your fashion mask on public transport, um, and and continue to wash your hands for the next you know few weeks. Um, and masks will from now on
2: in level two and above, Annabelle, be compulsory, mandatory on public transport and Ubers and. Um, aeroplanes that, there was a sort of sense of inevitability about that in a way too the way that the consensus is growing that masks are an important part of this mm. battle
1: Yeah I can see though why she has been reluctant to make it mandatory because um, uh, um, because simply for some no they will be um, unaffordable um, or inaccessible so I think that um uh the advice to try and fashion your own even if it's just using your a scarf around your head or whatever is a good one in terms of the the public transport one um i uh, it's- i'm kind of incredulous that we have been able to um use public transport but particularly fly internationally without everybody being Required to wear one on our national carrier, so I think um, yeah. Obviously, the advice from who has changed over the last couple of months. So it's good to see that um, New Zealand is responding to that.
2: It's a kind of it's. I I've heard someone and I couldn't tell you who talking about how it comes normalised quite quickly once it gets in. And I think even in my neighbourhood and about your neighbourhood, Annabelle. But there's been a sort of change to sadly anyone wearing them in the weekend but now you can't move for the masks will you be you're wearing a a frida Kahlo robe at the moment that would make a nice nice mask
1: it would make it oh actually speaking of masks someone told me the other day you know on the alien movie the one that attaches itself to your face to lay the egg in your mouth that Mm. bursts out of your guts Mm. you can get one of those masks which i'm very excited about toby to be honest i don't know if me and you are just rolling in point chev like at opposite ends or whatever but i see hardly anyone um wearing masks in our neighborhood well in i fact, went to the supermarket um, last night when i go shopping mask. i'm usually the only really
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: interesting when i've gone um i've quite often been one of just a handful who are yeah mm.
2: mm. But we'll have to do something. And I'm usually hyperventilating too. You just held up your fingers like you're smoking a cigarette. You're smoking a cigarette (laughs) through the... I'm
1: like hyperventilating in my mask because I always feel like it's slipping off my nose and I'm trying to like it's orkeys but we'll get used to it it's yeah. a small it's a small price to pay isn't
2: it well we'll all get one of those alien edition ones it seems like a good idea one of the best things that mm. happened to Jacinda Ardern, it seemed to me this week um i don't know if you guys caught this but um uh this chap donald trump i think i, I, don't, I can't remember if it was two or three times i honestly have lost count in which he decided to a light on New Zealand as the example of the failure and these, it was kind of like these sanctimonious bastards in New Zealand that'll show them. They've had this big surge and it's over for them. He said, excuse me. And that was, you sort of thought, I mean, I mean, you know, one, one's kind of defensive, patriotic backbone sort of crackles into stiff shape, but that was the best thing that could have happened to Jacinda Ardern this week. I would have thought.
1: This is bigger for New Zealand than that time Lisa <laughs> Gibbons came to Telethon and pashed up the guy from Coronation Street mm. like this is mm. huge mm. and also led to hours of entertainment on Twitter on the no the see, enough, that, that was a response not um, to the
0: President of the United States the most powerful man on earth but instead some rando Twitter account with 7,000 followers who unfortunately exposed the so if the team of five million and beating COVID is the best of new zealand then i think absolutely losing our shit over some random woman in the uk (laughs) (laughs) who gently (laughs) criticized us (laughs)
1: Oh, that, the one that wrote that article. Ah, oh, I thought that was about Trump. I did read no, I about it wasn't even an opinion piece. Opinion this piece is literally wrote. an
0: anonymous Twitter account um, called, you know, No Lockdown UK or something. Um, oh, really? That apparently tweeted about 100 times a day, according to Madeline Chapman's excellent uh, Member of Parliament column today. Um, and... Madeline
2: was quite, was quite, quite reckless I, about that. On, I, I agree with Mad um, this
0: morning. The, <laughs> it's, the, the, it's Anyway,
2: enough of that. Enough of that. We don't need to talk about Twitter. Let's not talk. Let's just ban. Let's just close it. Like, let's just get rid of it. It's killing me. Hey, um, the National Party, meanwhile, um, the biggest party in Parliament, do you reckon they've kind of steadied the ship now a bit? This morning, they did their, you know, because they'd, they'd what would have been the caucus run, but now they seem to be doing them in the um, what do you call it? Been the LCC, the the old the old legislative chamber, um, so that they can socially distance properly. But they had uh, Judith Collins alongside. Dr. Shane, as she's calling him now. It's always Dr. Shane. Have you noticed that? It's like Dr. Shane, Dr. Shane. I think it's going to be a thing. Dr. Shane works well for them. Dr. Shane and, um, Paora Goldsmith, of course, but no sign of, no sign of Jerry B. He was, um, he wasn't there for this particular occasion, but there was a sort of measured quality to it. And Dr. Shane has, uh, been, evincing a calmness. I think someone might have even been your mate, Liam here. uh, Shout out to Liam, Ben, uh, who said that his manner was a bit like a GP. You know, he's got that kind of quality of assuredness and he's not going to, he's going to, even though you may only have, 12, 13 days to live. He's going to talk to you carefully and uh, give the impression that he's listening to you and you'll probably feel calm. You might fall off to sleep. It's possible you might fall off to sleep, but you'll feel reassured and understood and he'll express complex concepts to you as simply as he can.
1: I actually don't think that... um All joking aside that you do fall asleep when you listen to him Because I think one of the things that makes him a really effective communicator Is that his answers are really concise He doesn't dawdle, like you say he does have that quality of a GP Who's able to um, express complex ideas in a way that's easily understandable But he does it um, without rambling um, what a difference a week makes. Last week, you know, you literally wouldn't put National in charge of, of a um, two-year-old at a, a late-night podcast. This week, their COVID response looks um, l- looks feasible and strong. And and while there's elements of it that you know haven't gone down well with some. Um, it actually looks like they are people with the plan i thought they they came across as commanding this morning um judith collins and um and dr shane and he um uh, what i I think what makes him compelling is when you actually have a doctor as the minister of um or uh, as the spokesperson for health um it just gives such gravitas and he doesn't come across as political point scoring. Um, he says if he thinks the government's done well, he has, he's been asking good questions, he's making great suggestions. Um, he comes across as, as formidable and yet um, likeable.
2: The thing he doesn't do is when he says that the government has done something well, it doesn't feel like that's sort of being forced <laughs> out of it, like the last bit of moisture out of a dishcloth, you know, in the way that in previous... Uh, On previous occasions, I think there's been a, I am going to praise the government because that's what we've discussed I'm going to do, whereas you feel like he's just sort of being reasonably considerate. And um, although there are obviously some questions around the border plans that have been laid out, like the kind of um, the feasibility of the being tested before coming in and whether or not it's too much of a rush through the border agency, it does seem all of a sudden... uh, just more reasonable, and i wonder ben i i mean the last the last um labor health <laughs> minister was a doctor as well dr david Clark, but i couldn't i couldn't help wondering if if Dr Shane had been the health spokesperson for the National Party for the last six months, whether things might have felt a bit different with every misstep on the border and in testing numbers and all that sort of thing if you had had i mean i mean you know hindsight is a wonderful thing. But if 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 Dr. Shane had been in there, maybe they would have looked much more like. Because the problem is, as we get into election, it's that whole show us that you're a government ready to go, show Sh- us you the wedding Blah Do- blah blah. Dr.
0: Shane has always been really high He seems to within national. You know, he's a, he's a very smart guy. He's a very capable yeah. guy. Um, he got a little bit of um, positive press, you know, a year or two ago with his medicinal cannabis um, private members bill. Mm. Yeah, and, on the, and, and on measles, he was and never on measles. sort of in the frame for um, front bench in opposition because he he does sort of lack that theatricality, that kind of um, what you might call he he doesn't show a lot of what you would call um, you know political flair or he's not a good attack politician in you know in the ordinary course of events that was sort of how he was perceived um, throughout this term. He's not standing up in the house waving paper and making noise. So, you know, this is certainly cometh the hour, cometh the man. This is the exact right circumstances for him um, and for his style, which is that, you know, he is... The sort of person who was always going to be a, a relatively highly ranked minister in a national government, but wasn't seen as you know a big star of opposition because that wasn't necessarily his skill set. On the other hand, as you point out, exactly the skill set that they need right now. Um, he was very good in the house last week, uh, trying to get to the bottom of you know the so-called dissonance between Chris Hopkins and the Ministry of Health. Over why exactly the government believed that there was testing at the border uh, when in fact there wasn't of of border stuff, um, and Re- and 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 Shane Reddy basically got them. to yeah. the point of having the minister admit that the minister had you know the the information um, that you know that his belief that all. Border staff were being regularly tested. Seemed to be based on a talking point for a meeting that he had been supplied with, by the ministry, and and really sort of showed up that it, that it may be the same issues that kind of afflicted David Clark, although nowhere near to the same extent, which is just not drilling in and asking the right questions of uh, the officials to make sure that you've got a good grasp of the information. So you know he's he's done very well. the The other thing I think is that National have clearly reoriented. Um, instead of talking about, you know, maybe we should be coming out of lockdown a bit faster, we've got to care about you know, we've got to make sure businesses are looked after. Um, they're hewing very close to the government line. Uh, so they're saying yes to the wage subsidy, but we'd extended another four days, just like the lockdown has been extended another four days. But their key selling point here is yeah. the gold-plated border protection. Um, and, and basically, I think this is their solution to saying, you know, the way that Judith Collins initially was saying, well, we would just would not have COVID. <laughs> I, would, I would simply not let it through the border. And here they're providing some more detail, yeah. some of which yeah. stacks up, some of which doesn't, but you know shows that they're more, you know, in their eyes, they're more serious about a strong border than the government is.
1: The fascinating yeah. thing about the last week is the swing in Nationals' approach to COVID. So we've gone from... Well, it looks like Jerry's been sent to go feed baby yak and change Merv's bedding. And we've got Sh- Sh- Dr. Shane and um, and and Juco stepping up, and we've gone from almost a libertarian approach to the border, like, let everyone through, bring in the international students, you know, mm. let's get back to business, to a almost a... Um, a, a a um the the opposite a crime and punishment approach of like we will arrest COVID at the border and send it packing <laughs> right. and no one will like closed borders will be even closed yeah yeah we'll close to the borders a
2: zero tolerance approach to COVID we're going to put the strike raptor force we're going to let them mm. loose on the COVIDs.
1: Exactly, and you know what? It will. Re- I think that um, there will be a lot of people that it resonates with because um, the one thing people seem to care more about than um, anything else at the moment is keeping COVID out. So they've brought into the elimination strategy, and yep. they're going to be even more eliminatory than anyone else. We we did some polling,
2: We did some polling with Sticky Beak which we published uh, yesterday, and we've got some more coming too. Um, but it. Um, It showed, I think, 78, maybe 79% of people were backing the elimination strategy. And that was, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. There were, the numbers for Nationals' approach were pretty poor, but I, I imagine they're only getting, going to get better. It's still, it's still one good week does not, does not, um, change the election. Um, and we're now, I just Googled it, 53 days away from the election, just like we were. four four weeks ago and we're in that funny sort of zone and we were talking before this we say there's not actually a great deal to talk about you know there's a there's a sort of little bit of a i don't know know if you call it a hiatus or a or a limbo or something but you know we've got parliament but it's not really parliament it's sort of we're going through some of the motions we've got some question time which is good um but we also don't really have a campaign going on um I don't know. Uh, what do you make of it, Ben? We do have, I don't know if you saw just recently, um, Louisa Wall, who's the chair of the Health Committee, has has um, acquiesced to the demands of the National Party and latterly Winston Peters and the New Zealand First Party, who are going to go opposition for a while. And so the will, the Health Committee will reconvene, I think just for one day, maybe. Um, I'm not, not totally clear on that, because I was just reading that before we um, caught up this evening but
1: is it like two hours next wednesday or something it's gonna be yeah it
2: sounds right and i guess it'll be basically we'll just get ashley bloomfield in and ask him some questions which seems kind of fair enough it doesn't seem like an outrageous an outrageously kind of um antagonistic idea that 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 they want to have a ask some throw some questions at
0: well the dg the the minister essentially Put the responsibility onto the Ministry of Health and thus the DG for the the testing failures, um, and that question hasn't been satisfactorily resolved. Despite you know what I was saying about Shane Reddy's pretty incisive questioning um, in Parliament last week. Um, interesting that Lewis Lewis Wall is the um, chair. I don't know if you guys saw that. Quite. Um, blunt interview that she gave to Andrea Vance a couple of weeks ago. Um airing yeah. a bit of not not yeah. so much dirty laundry of her relationship within the party, but you know, c- certainly um I don't know, flashing some waistband. Um
1: <laughs> hey team, sorry to interrupt. it's Producer T here. Just wanting to tell you about the spin-off members. A new well, not really new, but an initiative to help us fund all the journalism that you want to know. You can email us. Tell us what you want to see. Anything you want. Visit the slash members And while you're here, just just listen to one of our other podcasts. Do it. I'm telling you, it's a great time. Okay, bye.
2: She essentially she to to do the TODR on it. She got deselected from her electorate uh candidacy yeah that's right and um
0: then she actually uh threatened legal action and as a kind of compromise with the party grandees she was given a winnable list spot or a high list spot in return for stepping aside from the electorate yeah um yeah and you know some of her kind of which they weren't framed exactly as complaints, but they were framed as observations in this story. Um, you know, a legitimate, she's a very long-serving MP. She basically single-handedly yeah. uh, put marriage equality on the agenda, which was then successfully passed, against the wishes of some of her more conservative colleagues in the Labour Party in opposition at the time, who thought that it was a distraction away from, you know, retaking the Treasury benches, and... Um, she, she's much more experienced and a much and a much more capable legislator than a number of people who have actually become cabinet ministers since in this first term of the Labour government um, so you know you know she's also uh, a Māori woman um, there is you know the the gender imbalance in cabinet has been pretty well noted um, and you know particularly after meccaphaity uh, was sacked as a minister you know there was there was you know a demographic Uh, gap that needed to be filled quite urgently there and uh wolf still didn't get a look in and that's um that's something that obviously rankles a bit with her and you know is is a little puzzling i think to the um the wider punditocracy
2: she's um so so the seat of course that she's in is um Which makes me wonder, as we speak, that maybe Merv Merv is involved in this in some way. I don't know. He's, um, remember he rang from, rang uh, Marcus Lustre and Manawara. Manawara. And you feel like Merv's fingers are all over this, you know. Mm. Um, he and Bad Boys Brexit, big shout out to Bad Boys, Boys Brexit. Have you got anything to say to the Bad Boys Brexit, Annabelle?
1: Um, are they, I just hope they're having fun. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Just, just hope they they're having the a good time. Do you think they were behind
0: the anonymous Twitter yes. account that called us yes. a hellhole? There was there was quite a bit of mayhem, what, quite a bit sorry. of chaos. Yeah, it could be. Looked, like, looked to have their fingerprints all over yeah. it. Yes, mischief, mayhem. Tip, yes. tip, typical <laughs> yes, bad boys. you might be onto
2: something there. Shout out to the bad boys. Um, There was a little story about the bad boys this week Um, and the Winston Peters uh had offered some consular assistance to uh Aaron Banks the um you know the the sort of baddest boy poor posh rich boy with puzzling Russian connections and uh, is he
1: like the drummer in the bad boys band
2: yeah I think he's more (laughs) like um Bez in the happy Mondays you know like Mm. he's just sort of the the dancer I think you know a lot of Ah. a lot of sex appeal um, mm. Anyway, I mean, it, it was a, it didn't it didn't make a huge splash to that story, but basically it did raise some more questions about exactly what was Winston Peters' and New Zealand First relationship with Zabad Boys. Very, very strange little sideshow that's going on. I don't know if anyone wants to say anything about that. There's Whether been a few good
0: on. Did we talk about the Riccarton racecourse last week?
2: the I don't know that we did, no. I mean, although by the end <laughs> we were all just sort of speaking simultaneously. Who was, so, you know, who, the, who, who the, can the, say? Possibly the last
0: uh, great PGF swindle, um, whereby money for the Provincial Growth Fund, which is, you know, dedicated to helping out our beleaguered regions, was spent on Christchurch, a metropolitan centre, uh, getting a nice new racecourse redesign. Um, and and some of the uh, workers who came in to to work on that from overseas were given priority uh priority through the queue uh for quarantine um which is obviously very constrained capacity and a lot of new zealanders uh, who are trying to return can't get through um and you know it just seemed like a kind of a fitting sort of coda for new zealand first if they are indeed on their way out
2: yeah uh, um, of course, uh, completely separately to that, uh, the racing industry have given large amounts of money to the New Zealand First Foundation, who in turn are quite separate from the New Zealand First Party, who, who in turn are separate from the Deputy Prime Minister and the um, Minister in charge of the Provincial Growth Fund. Um, so it's a, it's a weird th- I mean, clearly there aren't any, you don't want to join that up. These just, are just separate things that are all... Just as Jerry Brownlee would say, stating fact.
0: Just a number of things that exist in the ether at um, the same time. Um, the Serious Fraud Office should actually have its um, its investigation into the New Zealand First Foundation it's, finished. It's um, they, they said by September, yeah. and they said that COVID had not interfered with their schedule, and so that should actually be coming in the next few days. Um, maybe that will be the thing which blows the relevance of this podcast out of the water mere hours after it's released.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true. It'll probably be, probably mm, probably be five Probably, yeah, that'll be. Um, it. To, to, they, they're investigating at the moment um, questions related to the New Zealand First Foundation. Um, they have already laid charges in relation <laughs> to Ross, yeah. um, a number of donors in the National Party and Jamie Lee Ross, who. Jamie Lee Ross, um, uh, uh, but um, we await to see whether charges will be laid over that other one. There are also investigations underway into the Auckland mayoralty campaign and the cry- oh, cry- just on it goes. They're just having a they're just having a, a, a happy lockdown over there at the SFO. Hey, um, I don't know what else have we got. It's it's that weird time. Given there is that kind of gap, lack of campaigning uh I mean the sort of thing that people really want to see is debates obviously so uh we I can just just an answer to that question uh offer the youth wings debate which is now available on the spinoff.co.nz um at the end of a, a series of pieces what are you showing to me there Oh, you are watching it now Tina's showing putting her phone up to putting her phone up to the zoom um it's it's um it's anyway it's it, it's 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 kind of good i think kind of interesting f- culmination obviously more interesting than
1: our <laughs> podcast um, because tina's choosing to watch yeah to watch it instead is. of to listen yeah, to what we're actually well, saying that, the the knowledge that we're imparting yeah, to her yeah. via this podcast What's tina? thank you yeah. tina um thank
2: you tina um, uh She's on the pineapple
1: and Malibu, Malibu again. Malibu, pineapple,
2: I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ashley Bloomfield, just one more question. Uh, Malibu, would you? How many parts Malibu would you mix with pineapple for? A, just in the course of well-being while recording a late-night lockdown podcast.
1: I, I feel like the there'd be a high vitamin C content mm. in the Malibu in the pineapple juice. And the uh, like, the acidity might be good for killing off COVID, much like drinking the detergent, yeah. the bleach yeah. that that Donald Trump recommended. So I think it's probably one of the healthiest because beverages what's, what's, you could drink during lockdown. That's what the question is be, be.
2: Doctor Bl- Bloomfield. Which which cocktail is the most what's effective the in fighting percent COVID? COVID? It's about
0: twenty one percent, is it? Yeah, I'm thinking back to my own youth wing days now. <laughs> Casting my mind <laughs> back to, um, uh, yeah, uh, that's not really a high enough percentage to to kill microbes. Um, really want right. like some strobe. What's that,
2: Tina? you were just showing. It? Tina's holding up a note, like one of the people in that show I'm watching.
1: Except we're all, we're we're all we're to all something too something old so and blind to experience. read your sign, Tina. You have to write it in really show, big letters for us. No, you just have to say and something. I'm going to be hungry. That's really scary. I'm going to be hungry. Calf That really will kill <laughs> COVID. You can actually I hope your use it to your like mic's wash your hands. mic's on, That has to go A g- in. That's
0: general absolutely drink. Let's go again. That's
2: going in. Um. Uh, And look, the other thing I was going to give a little plug for is um, policy.nz, which is a very, very interesting, cool way of comparing the different parties' policies um, straight down the middle, and you can blind them so you don't know which parties they belong to, and so you're not influenced by your own um, attractions to particular colours or branding or whatever. Um, uh, So check that out, policy.nz. Before we go, before we finish, um, the other... Interesting story of the week was a group of young people went to the High Court. A group called Make It 16, who are campaigning to reduce the voting age to 16, um, and they they were going to the High Court in order, I think, to um, argue that it was discriminatory under the Bill of Rights uh, for people who are age 16 not to be given the vote. It's kind of done as explained by Andrew Guinness is a way to kind of apply pressure in effect, political pressure. Um, what do you think, Annabelle? Do you think 16-year-olds should be allowed to vote?
1: My mum got married at 16, so yeah. I'm like, if you can, like, have a kid and get married and get into debt and do all that other shit, then you should definitely be allowed to vote. I think it's silly that we have a group of young people really wanting to engage in the political process and saying that, no, they can't. When we have, like, such low voter numbers in New Zealand, you'd think that we'd be embracing that. So, yeah, I definitely think they should. Ben Thomas... And then, and then oh, we right. should remove the votes off the boomers. <laughs> we, okay. should, like, we should, like... We should legislate against their ability to vote and just move it back down towards the let's get the 13 year olds involved what
2: about and above instead we just got you to go through the country and pick out the people that you think deserve to vote and the ones that you don't think deserve to vote
1: i think that's an excellent idea it might let's be, c- do that
2: have you got time because if you've got the time i think that might i'll be make
1: the, the time thank you i'll make the time me and tina will load up the car with some <laughs> and we will
0: head off some g- generic general That's label
1: we'll Or <laughs> no. we'll, we'll load up the zorb
0: clean skin <laughs> check the check the zorb in the trailer
1: yeah we'll head out
2: um ben thomas what is a, give me a good argument against allowing 16 year olds i mean to let me
0: just start off by saying nothing burns my skin like the laughter of children um the, mm. the the joy of youth <laughs> to me is mm. like the sound of nails on a chalkboard. Um, mm. their their hope to me is like a, a burning mm-hmm. light that I can't look directly into. So against in with that as context, I don't see any kind of pressing, Reason why you would necessarily drop it to sixteen. I think you know, with as with most things, you would be asking, well, you know, what's what's the status quo that we're trying to change, and what's the argument for it? And people quite reasonably say, well, what? Why is it set at eighteen rather than seventeen? Why is it set at? Why would it be set at seventeen rather than sixteen? Why not nineteen? Um, I think you'd put it roughly on par with those, um with you know, what is it, jo- joining the army. You know drinking in a bar um you know we we have these arbitrary age limits and um i I don't see any particularly compelling reasons, obviously, whenever you get these make it sixteen campaigners, the people who present are these extremely earnest, very articulate, very clever um young people um you know but again i don't I don't think that they're necessarily representative of um either the maturation or indeed the uh level of civic participation of their entire cohort um so you know i mean in in principle I would be much more interested in taking the vote away from over sixty fives than keeping the under eighteens out um, and, because you. I think that is mm. the one that is the one strong argument so, I think the 16 year olds have, which is you know they have more of a stake in the future, and I would caveat that by saying more than the old who should be should be left to suffer at the whims of everyone else for once um, <laughs> So that's I asked
1: you It's okay because we're going we'll get rid of them using the new euthanasia bill so they'll be taken care of. Oh Can God. I say though that there there is there's one The end of life choice is I good guess, because oh, it, it obviously so IG still
0: select before we have to take any mandatory action.
2: <laughs> you know, you fucking
0: gonna you euthanize give the, them, uh, euthanize the give them an option <laughs> And then if they don't take personal responsibility, then we go back to the drawing board.
1: Can I say there is one really good reason for changing the age and that is like in, particularly among um, Maori voters um, there's um, really low voter turnout. Um, there was a really good piece of research done um, quite a while ago now I think it must be about 10 years ago that shows that a lot of the reason why Maori don't engage in the political process and don't vote is because they don't actually... Um, come from homes where that was um, a part of their family's practice and so going into the voting booth um, is an intimidating foreign process for them. If we brought it down to 16 we could teach civics in schools and and that would help to create a culture of political engagement which has got to be a good thing, right?
2: I think that's a good point and I'll add some more points uh, one of which is If we are serious about teaching kids about, um, you know, civics, which is a terrible word, but, you know, civic engagement, how the world works, politics and stuff in school, all the better to make it relevant to them and related. Number two... The thing about elections is they only come round every three years, which does seem quite often in this country, but all the same. It's not like, you know, you only once every three years, they let a new group of people into bars or into the army or being allowed to have sex, you know. So a lot of people, first opportunity to vote is when they're 17 or 18, because that's how it works. Um, and number three, I asked Ben Thomas for one good reason to not allow 16-year-olds to vote. And he just said, oh, I can't see any good reason to change it. And surely the franchise, the franchise, this precious thing in our democracy, there should be a very good reason to withhold it, not a good reason to grant it.
0: Well, yeah, but I think then you could say, well, why not 15? You know, there's a lot of things in, our, in society that are you've got to find a point for. You've got to find an agreed point. Um, point on you know which you know why do we drive on the left hand side of the road not the right hand side of the road no compelling logical reason um we all just have to be on this on the same side right (laughs) going the same way i mean (laughs) you you know the, 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 um you know yeah because i think you know if you decided to include 16 year olds but not 15 year olds the same argument would be made and um you know, I mean, if you really wanted to get into sort of Peter Glockman-esque arguments about, you know, plasticity and brain development or cognitive function, you probably could, but it all gets a bit strange. I think, I think it's easy and...
1: Yeah, but you can just send the 15-year-olds to their room and ground them so you don't It's, have to it's, worry it's about easy it. enough to... And just shut down the conversation. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I, I think it's easy enough to identify that people who are in about their, you know, th- third, sometimes in their third to last year of high school are kids.
2: The one thing I will say as well, um, arguing against myself, is um, one of my oldest friends, um, we were at university. He was living with his parents for a time. And his um, dad would open all of their local election voting forms, which arrived, fill them all out and post them back on the basis that (laughs) (laughs) he... Obviously, he was the best (laughs) informed and that would be fine and he'd just do it all, so... That's yeah. That's 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 obviously um, a serious reservation. Hey, look, I think we got to the end without collapsing into a great kind of pit of despair. Well done, everybody. Hopefully, when we regroup, we will do so at a safe distance in an actual studio. Um, it's really nice to see your faces. It's really nice to imagine all the all the seven or eight people who have made it all the way to the end of tonight's gone by lunchtime. Thank you, Gentina. Hey, thank Thanks, Ben. Are you going to open they're, those um, they're Mountain Dew Doritos had about half
0: of now? Them. They're, they're very green. They
2: should we, Annabelle? Should we ask him to eat one?
1: Yes, absolutely. This is,
2: this is true, listeners. I'm not making this up.
0: He has this is not a the real Mountain Dew flavored do, Doritos. We don't
1: eat, mm. eat
0: stupid shit for people's amusement. Like Re- recovered you know, from the not zorb, Alex Casey. We're not like. La- <laughs> I was going to say I'm not laughing in a high-pitched manner and then I started doing it. So, all right, just okay, eat I'll, the, eat, I'll eat, eat the... one chip. One <laughs> Eat the chip. No, not good. Eat the chip. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh. It... It's only being oh, oh it 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 like that these taste It's like crispy Mountain Dew I, and salt. <laughs> I just Oh my god. No, it's I'm I'm not into it.